The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. I looked at the radio, tried to listen to music, and at times I needed something to kind of uplift me, basically. Mm-hmm. I was looking for something to fulfill that holes inside me. And so you guys would come up and I would be like, because I have to get up at five and then listen to you guys all the way to work and then come back. I cannot believe I'm just like <laughs> a screen away from you. I'm like, really? Oh, that's yes. so sweet. I don't know if you saw or not, but we did get a couple messages, Holly, one from mm-hmm. Israel and one from El Salvador about how they really enjoyed our podcast. Yeah, and it makes sense because we had incredible opportunity to speak with people from those regions. So shout out to our international friends. Thank mm-hmm. you for listening. And uh, got another message from somebody saying, why don't you guys say what episode it is anymore? Oh, yeah, because no. I'm tired of embarrassing myself. <laughs> yeah. Holly just loses track every time. So there's no point. We just make it up as we go. Yeah. Wait. Okay. So episode number 257? Six? six? No, it's six. Yeah. 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 Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of episodes, guys. It sure that's is. what we're saying, right? <laughs> we, we are just as surprised as, as you and everybody else probably is. But um, mm-hmm. this week, I'll say in the sense that we learn something new every week, Holly, mm-hmm. and I think that we're going to come away with a, a fresh new perspective on, I think, a lot of different things. I think so, too. I'm excited. Yeah. So, um, Tabitha Biel-Lewick, we are so very excited to have a chance to uh, talk with you. So, thank you very much for uh, saying yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. You just have no idea what this means to me. Again, oh. like, you have been... And unknowingly, you guys don't know this, but been part of my life. Well, let's talk about your life. Uh, yes. Our skill testing question, the hardest question that you're going to get, and then it's going to become easier from there. And that is, uh, Tabitha, who are you and where did you come from? So my name is Tabitha Beale. Um, originally, I'm from South Sudan. I don't know if you guys uh, have heard uh, the world's youngest nation. Mm-hmm. That is ours. Um, we just got our independent uh, day not a while ago. We just turned 11th, I think. Yeah, wow. we just celebrate that on July the 9th. Happy birthday. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's <laughs> exciting. But it's not without flaws. Um, mm-hmm. We are in a very uh, deep, um, I would say, civil war. And it started since uh, 2013, and it's been going on. And the suffering is just unbelievable. Um, But we're trying. We're thriving as a nation. And uh, we are, I think, uh, so grateful for all the neighboring countries and also the rest of the world to kind of hold uh, us as a nation in their prayers. And Yeah, so that's where I come from. Um, And then I moved here in 2011. And I've been living here in Hamilton since then. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And um, I am a mother. I have two beautiful girls, um, a single mother, um, and then a student. I'm now doing psychology. Um, I am in my third year wow. and I'm pushing on, I'm pushing on. And yeah, and now I am an author. Yeah. When I hear things like that, I just wonder, Johnny, what have I done with my life? Right. 
Yeah. That's pretty much where I am. That's every single week that we talk to somebody and I'm like, okay, well, I put my pants on and that's about it. Oh, that's just incredible, Tabitha. I'm so curious, just so many questions. So Mm -hmm. um, you moved to Canada. Why did you come to Canada? So the reason why I moved from Africa to here, uh, I was sponsored by someone uh, that I got married to. Mm -hmm. And um, as a result of that, we moved. Well, he was already here, but uh, me and my daughter uh, at the time moved here to dine him. Yeah, that was the reason for the move. Yes. Gotcha. Love brought you here. Mm -hmm. So what is I mean, one of the places that I would love to visit in my life is Africa. And I know that it's that that is that is just I mean, that's like saying I want to go and visit and each and every place that kind of has their own uniqueness to it. What mm-hmm. is life like growing up in uh, South Sudan? A great question. And I, I know times will come when we when you would be able to kind of, you know, go to Africa and visit every corner of the continent uh, that you would like to see. But it's very unique in itself because it's very diverse. Uh, mm. Africa is, is very different. And living in South Sudan, once it was all I know, and that was a part of growing up, is knowing that there was so much war going on. Mm. Um, and um, we grew up in it. We know that at some point there will be a freedoms where we will live in free. But part of that growing up is the peace, knowing that um, you are a people that live in that distinctive way of living. And life in Africa is natural, is free, is like, you know, do whatever you want to do. Of course, there are some limitations here and there, but it's beautiful because, again, that's all we know. Um, and, and it's taught us so much because uh, the culture that we serve, the culture we, we we kind of grew up in, the concepts it taught us, you know, and the the, the mind frames that kind of uh, imprint in, in ways that we are now thinking of. So It's interesting, too, because often when we see different stories about different countries in Africa, they just really focus in on certain aspects of it. And you, you miss out on the full scope of the industrialization that's occurred, the massive cities. Um, for you, though, to grow up in South Sudan, was it, um, is it more like that, more bigger cities, or is it more, uh, more rural? Oh, it was more of a rural area. Um, now, there are cities, and uh, some people live in cities, but mm-hmm. I wasn't that person will live in the city. So I live in a small town called Lakoba, um, the greenest place on earth, I always say. Um, but um, yeah, it's not a big city, but it's a city uh, in my own way of, of seeing it, but it's small. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice. You have this opportunity. Did you know where Canada was when you were set to set to make your way here? Or was that all a big surprise? It was a big surprise. Um, and the reason being is growing up there, although there were challenges, I got to love what it is uh, that South Sudan is. Um, and I never wanted to move out of, outside of country, of the country itself, leave alone the continent. And so um, when this became a thing, I, it wasn't something that I looked forward into. Um, of course, Canada is a beautiful nation, um, but 
I wasn't really looking into coming here and, and you know, and stay and make it home. But it is now home uh, for me and my and you family. land in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that mm-hmm. must have been a real shock. <laughs> you know, I know. Like, from beautiful temperatures to suddenly, oh, I need a parka? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a ch- um, a challenge, and but my first uh, my first surprise was uh, when I saw Halloween, like the things oh, that people yeah. put in. Uh, those one were so scary. At first, I could not get outside. It was yeah. like, why is everybody dying? What's going on? What, mm. what are yeah. this thing? <laughs> yeah, right. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it, it was a shock, and then the snow. And yeah, I had to stare at it. To that, yeah. <laughs> How difficult is it, though? I mean, you leave to Canada for love. How difficult is it leaving family behind to start life anew on the other side of the world? Absolutely. Uh, that's a great question. Leaving my family behind and joining uh, somebody else to start a family, uh, although it was a shock to kind of realize that I have to make the move and I have to live in Canada now. Um, the family has its own place in my life. And there was just nothing that could kind of occupy that space. Um, although I know that if I had to live there, I would still be kind of living with someone uh, as far as, you know, safety and all of that. But it's feel as though um, you are alone. Because we, well, I come to realize that living here in the West, um, people are so busy. They're doing their own things. We're supposed to be in Africa because in Africa, we just together. We just in each other's faces. We we do things together. So that was like, um, oh, I miss my family. I definitely miss my family because I feel like um, I don't know this life. I don't know. I need them. I need them to be here. We, we'd look at culture and, and culturally, as you said, we're very busy Western culture where uh, in Africa is very different. How important is it for you to keep culture, keep your, your, your Sudanese culture, but also then have this Canadian culture? Oh, Johnny, there are just millions of ways to answer this. But mm. I am going to say the people from different countries are struggling. I'm really just going to generalize that because when I look at it and, and looking at, you know, the things that I personally, uh, you know, value and knowing that they kind of have no place anymore because of change in, in the environment, the change in that culture, it becomes difficult. But I realize that I'm not even alone uh, the way I feel is also the way so many other people feel as uh, oh. the, the culture is kind of disappearing. So now we have a huge gap. Uh, the people that grew up in Africa, knowing what they knew then and coming here and living here, have difficulties kind of changing, kind of meeting halfway with the Canadian culture. Uh, while the people that were born here, that are maybe um, Sudanese, you know, or from other countries, they just have no problems and becomes an issue uh, living in the same household, you know, believing in different things. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's very difficult. Um, but of course, uh, once we make, um, when we realize what's going on, basically, we realize that um, life is, is full of changes. And sometimes uh, when we live in Canada, it's not more about changing ourselves 
completely um, because that would be uh, very difficult to do. But just to kind of work with people, knowing what is not working for you and knowing that you have a right to also live in ways that you prefer to live. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's one of the amazing things about Canada. And I think once we are able to find that fine lines where we can still preserve what we have and yet kind of work alongside with how things are uh, designed as far as uh, the culture, uh, we, we'll be okay. You talk about the cultural change, but at some point there was a spiritual change in your life. I want to talk about um, the the moments leading up to you making the decision to follow Christ. The decision was made for me. And when I said it was made for me, it's because I was baptized not knowing even, you know, who I was at the time. Mm. My parents already knew Christ when I was born. And so I grew up in a household that believes in God and still believes in God. My mother is the first uh, woman ever to be become uh, a pastor. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I know Christ, uh, although I'm not uh, a good door of his word. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that decision was made for me. It's the best decision that my parents could ever make on behalf of me. So hmm. she became mm-hmm. a pastor when? Um, that was in 2005. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you, so you, so you are like, you are a, a pastor's kid. You are. <laughs> I was already a pastor kid and I was in the choir and I, I just, I, I love singing. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I now sing uh, and have my own songs and so on. So, yeah, I, I grew up knowing uh, Christ. We look at the fact that right now you're in school, you're you're wanting to become a psychologist. Where did the heart come where you decided that, you know what I also got to do? I got to write a book. Great question. <laughs> um, I, I, I did say something earlier, and that was that I am a single mother mm-hmm. right now. So what happen is uh, a year after I joined the person here uh, it happened that the the union had to come to an end hmm. for reasons uh, that were beyond my control hmm. and when that happened uh, I became so depressed and kind of lost my ways and ways um, but the only thing that was left in me was my spiritual connections with God. And that was when, when I started looking for what to listen to, it was your radio to look uh, for each and every day to kind of have some uplifting spirits, kind of boost my spirit in ways. I came here not knowing that much of English. I still don't, but uh, you can You're see. doing good. Yeah, I mean, you're doing really you well. Been, <laughs> I would have been surprised if you said that. <laughs> oh, Okay. Um, and I had to go to school to have to start uh, doing ESL. Uh, mm-hmm. I think linked. I start linked and then start ESL and then start uh, high school and now in university. Um, but the reason why uh, the reason why I wrote the book, the reason that leads up to writing the book, um, is once all of that happens, the divorce, the separation, and so on. There was just not enough support 
from where I, I came from, from the community that I thought was supposed to, to help me out, to kind of stand behind me and believe for me, though there were just enough reason to be torn apart. Mm-hmm. And so I start looking out for someone to kind of pick up the pieces that I thought were kind of shattered all around, but there was no one. And so that's when I start to sing. I start writing poems to kind of speak to me. And when I read them to myself, then I would feel like there's still something left in me. And it kind of grew into uh, wanting to be the voice of the voice that is being shut down. And that was my voice. But I also wanted to write because I know, knowing the culture that I come from, this is not just me. This is everybody else that I know that is struggling. And so I wrote the book because that's my voice to speak up, to share what's going on with the world, to also tell the, the culture that I saw that this have to be somewhat changed because we're not, we're not okay. We're not okay. We're dying here. And it doesn't seem like anybody is understanding what's going on. So it's to just get up. I wrote it to just get up. When I first saw the title, I was actually taken back. <laughs> like, what a godly privilege to be a man. I mean, I'm a woman. That's a privilege too. What was the inspiration behind that title? Every time that someone hears it or sees it, they're like, mm, they either say, I am uh, completely against men mm-hmm. or I'm saying that hmm, it's actually good to be a man it really depends on how you read it yeah. and so it's, it's it kind of covers a lot of the conversation so far as far as the book um, but the reason and the inspiration behind it it actually comes out uh, inside the book uh, it's, it's a line inside the book uh, spoken by one of the characters and uh it's not a privilege to be born a man, but it is in ways that it's being taken. Now, being in the culture that I am in, um, you are a man, and really that is all that is, meaning you have control and you've been given the choice and the chance to just take, take control of anything. Um, so when I talk about being a single mother, um, it's not something that is taken slightly in the culture or in the community, um, because we are supposed to be married, um, and we are supposed to not know anything else other than that, but to just be, uh, people that serves, you know, just to, to get married, to, to just have kids and that's it to serve men. Um, there's really, really nothing wrong because in many ways, the, the culture is so beautiful, but at the same time, um, it's more about men than it is about the two. It's not about us in ways. It's just totally about them making decisions, saying this is how much you're worth, and that's the end of it. And so it's a privilege because of the way it's used. Because mm. being a man is about using it in ways that you cannot imagine. Now, 
uh, in comparisons to you know the ways people live in the West, there is a freedom. There is a uh, you know everybody is a human being, but that's not how it is in some cultures. Um, we are not human in ways. We are just things that could literally be sold to anybody at any age mm-hmm. and for whatever reason. And I I put the title that way. So then we have to begin the conversation about how being a man is used and how it's being uh, like it's used in ways that to kind of dehumanize women. Hmm. For somebody who lives in the Western culture, uh, that could be really shocking to hear that there are still things like that going on in other places. How eye opening is it? How great has it been for you to have conversations with people to say, this is actually still going on. There are two things that happens. Anytime that I talk to someone that never lived, uh, you know, in Africa or any other countries where, you know, women are being put down. Um, sometimes it's like, oh, this is how things used to be way, way then. And that people have changed and, and cultures have evolved. And now we have freedoms and women are being accepted in, in ways that are, not the way they used to be. But sometimes I meet people who just have no idea completely that this could be a thing that is still happening. And and either way, um, I have a great conversation with people like that because now they believe in something greater than what is happening. And they always just wish that it could be any better than it is uh, and the way that it's going on still in, in, in these places. But sometimes it's shocking because we live in the same world, uh, a world that is becoming so small uh, each day. But then it's very bizarre in ways that we still live so different and that we still believe in different things. And women are the ones that are suffering uh, in, in ways that are not imaginable. When you decided to write this, did you have a specific direction as to where you wanted it to go? Or did this kind of take a life of its own? It's based on true stories. And it was just kind of diving back to how things were happening around me. Of course, this, this is not my own story, right? but um, there's so much that happens in it that also happened to me. But it was just kind of going back to the things that I I was, you know, exposed to, things that were happening in my present that I know I wish someone had talked about them. Something, uh, someone had, you know, mentioned something and said, well, we can't do it this way. But there wasn't anybody. And so that was just a time for me to just keep going. There was nothing like a direction wise for me to kind of follow, but just Mm. to know uh, what exactly I knew that was happening and that it's still happening today. With all the things that are happening that aren't pro-women per se in South Sudan, um, you coming to Canada, was it a bit of a culture shock to, to realize that there were things that maybe you could do that you wouldn't have been able to do back home? Absolutely. Speaking even right now, as I'm talking, I'm saying things that if it were to be in South Sudan, I probably would not say things like this. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's changing. Uh, and a lot of people are 
getting up right now and they're saying, you know, this can be the way to live. This can be the way we're being treated. This is, is, is not good anymore. But there are things still that could not be said, uh, especially from a woman's perspective. You can't speak things up like this. Mm-hmm. You can't say so it so is at fault because it becomes a a provoking kind of action for a woman to do uh, where men take it so seriously because it's like you're stepping on their toes and Mm. taking control over the narrative. So yes, uh, absolutely here, there's so much that someone can speak up, not only women, but also men. Uh, Of course, they always have that space for them to, to speak in any ways. But it's it's very liberating here for so many of us to have a voice, to have a chance to say, I know that nobody will be listening, but I have a space where I can speak up. Well, this is the Why Me Project podcast. So um, as you reflect on your life, you've clearly been able to do a lot and you're accomplishing a lot right now. Um, but were there any moments, maybe in a valley, where you just ask God, why me? My whole life is why me. The entire, now, I have to be honest because, I mean, when it comes to God being in our lives and things happening to us, those are two different things. And once we realize that there is there there is this fine lines to still be able to understand that although you follow God, although perhaps you do things right, not that anyone of us is able to do anything right uh, fully, but uh, when you know that God is there and that there is that that forgiveness and that you have a connection with him, when things still happen in ways they happen, it is not a bit of a shock because it seemed like you've been informed already that things will happen. For me, uh, although I have the advantage uh, of being able to grow up in a house that, that believe in God and being exposed to the scripture, I still have to ask the question, why me? And why me for me began when I got married at age 13 to someone that I knew nothing about. Mm. Um, the why me happened to me when I said, I cannot be married to someone, not, not only that they're older than me, but that, I know nothing about them. I've never seen them. Why would I be uh, given just like that? It's like giving up um, because I thought and I still think that if someone was listening, uh, not being able to know each other and to be told that for the rest of your life, nobody knows you know, when you're going to live this world. But just go and be with this person for the rest of your life, not knowing anything about them it's terrifying and so I spoke that but of course the culture had to to be followed than anything the sacrifice had to be made than anything the fact that I was just a woman that deserved nothing not to go to school not to have a voice nothing I have to just go there and do what was supposed to be done what was expected of me and so I asked why me of course in my ways because sometimes I can't even speak it because there's no conversation about why it could not be me and why it was supposed to be me and my why's in that in that moment was like um, I wish I was somebody else uh, that 
you know, do not have to go through what I went through. But that was a why me. And my why me kind of carried on because my, uh, my child became very sick. And I'm like, hmm, so why me? Why me? Something that was not um, identified at first. And even right now, they could not come up with uh, 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 medical terms or something to kind of pinpoint on and say this was what was happening. But uh, the grace of God was amazing because outside of uh, out of all of that, she became unknowingly, but miraculously, because that's that's what was happening. Uh, okay, and she's now perfect, good. Ah, mm. uh, no. So anyway, um, whole thing was why me and why me because again, coming here and sacrificing, uh, you know everything that I knew that I wanted and, and kind of just say, there's no value to me, to my existence. So it doesn't matter. Let's just keep going. And I had to end uh, the union because there was a decision to be made. And that was to either live or go. Cause mm. there was no other ways to, to do, to do that, to do life other than to either run away or end my life. And so I also asked, why me? Why do I have to be in that position? And then the whole why me of living now and for 10 years in Edmonton and just striving every day and, you know, switching and, you know, knowing that there aren't a lot that agree with me, but I'm pushing for, you know, the rights of not just myself, but the rights of others that also possibly could be going through what I went through and still going through. And so the whole life has been why me. Yeah. Yeah, You've been on quite the journey. I mean, I can't imagine being 13 and now you're being married off to somebody. What was going on through your, your mind? At, at the time, like I said, um, it was just my refusal of the, the marriage was just based on I don't know the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew nothing where I lived, but to just, you know, see women just being bought off and, you know, whoever comes pick them and they, they just go like that. So I expect nothing out of that, but to kind of just be going through the same thing. But my my refusal was just, if I don't know, then I shouldn't be allowed to yeah. go through that. And so it happens that it had to be that way. And, you know, it's shocking. As a child, you're supposed to be growing up. You're supposed to be learning. Um, now you have to be a wife. What oh. is that? Mm-hmm. And 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 um, I'm just I was confused, but I wasn't alone. Every other woman is confused because we're taken as only as eight. Um, it's about you know who comes and says I want you and pay the dowry, uh, whatever number your parent asked, and you be gone in, in no time. Uh, I know that I, I was going to be part of that. I just didn't like the fact that. I would have to be with someone I knew nothing about. Uh, yeah. Did you have other dreams at 13 of going to school or 
growing up to be a pastor like your mom? <laughs> what were some of those dreams? Um, I or did you just surrender? Well, in ways, unknowingly, you surrender because mm -hmm. there aren't that much of, of, of space provided for women to kind of explore and, and have their mind expand and things mm. beyond. There aren't that much. Uh, we know that um, uh, you cannot go beyond 20 of age. If you reach that years, then we are saying that you're no longer worthy now for perhaps a man who is 70 years old. Now, if that is all that is being kind of framed in our mind, we're thinking about nothing else but to be married. Mm -hmm. Really, we actually help our parent to kind of just think to ourselves that we're not worthy because that's what been preached to our mind for as long as we can remember. But that kind of just closed that mind to actually think beyond it, to, you know, to have other dreams. Of course, um, um, schools was there, but it wasn't for women. We were not to go to school and then, uh, you know, kind of expand from there and things beyond what, what is not normal uh, at times. Um, but, yeah, there's nothing it, you could dream if there's, there's, there's that much exposure, but it's very limited. Uh, sometimes you just dream, I find someone who then gives me uh, the citizenship because we're not citizens in ways. We're just, you know, human being that could be used. Now that you've got two young girls, knowing that their future mm -hmm. can be different for you as a mom, is that... a I would imagine it's rewarding and exciting to see what they could grow up and what the potential is of them having two little girls of my own for you. Is that, uh, you know, a good reason to stay here in Canada? Amazing reason to stay uh, a great reason. Uh, and I think uh, for a lot of people, not just my family and my kids, but a lot of people find this place to be a great home. But for me, um, although things are a little bit changing there, there's still that, that you know, uh, that believes about women. And the last thing that I would see happening is to have my kids go through what I went through. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that being here, that is a great chance for them to not go through what I went through. And, and I'm also grateful because I now know what I know. And I can play that role as a mother, knowing uh, what it means to raise kids on your own and, and just be, you know, be broken in ways, but you can't really find a place to hang on, hmm. except if you have connection with God. So that part is amazing. They have that opportunity now. To live differently. Hmm. What a godly privilege to be a man. Available now at author Tabitha Beal Lewick and uh, TabithaBealLewick.com. We uh, appreciate you taking some time and uh, to be able to share your heart and your story. Thank you so much. I think the word that comes to mind the most is like a culture shock. Yeah. I've had an opportunity to travel to a lot of different countries and you kind of get that cultural shock when you get there, but then to hear about what is going on, 
mm-hmm. you hear about these things all the time. Like, no way is that actually happening. But then to hear the stories, you're like, wow, this is really is, this is not, you know, just something you see on the news. Yeah, exactly. We've heard about uh, South Sudan in the news with regards to their civil war and um, with different charities and organizations talking about, you know, the child brides. But to hear Tabitha just expressing what it was like, I mean, yeah. honestly, it breaks my heart to to know this is still going on in the world. It's amazing that she's able to bring some light to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also to to hear her now in the midst of doing psychology and yeah. you know to be a, a strong independent woman for her daughters it, it's it's great to you know you hear of what's going on to then transitioning to where we are now it's quite incredible yeah i can see that she is going to be shaking some moving and shaking i'm like shaking some what shaking the ground <laughs> She is a mover and shaker in the making, and I can't wait to see what is in store for her next. Yeah, I appreciate Tabitha uh, reaching out. Thank you to everybody who has reached out to us, whether you're downloading the podcast, whether you're telling a friend about the podcast, whether you as a projector are growing what we have in the Wyme Project. Yes, we appreciate all the love and support. So download Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Uh, There's a lot of other places in which we sometimes mention or we mention the wrong places, but go to kind of those (laughs) podcasty places that you get your podcast. And just search for Why Me Project. You can also go straight to faithstrongtoday.com. 